The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. I want to welcome you today to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church, which is located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCool, and I serve as pastor of Zion Primitive Baptist Church. We are a congregation of believers in the sovereign grace of God where families worship together through the simple practice of preaching, praying, and singing. If you live in this area or are visiting here, we would love to have you attend worship services with us. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. and every Sunday evening at 5 p.m. and the first and third Wednesday evenings at 6.30 p.m. I'm happy to note that our daily podcast is featured on Grace Alone Radio, which you can find at gracealoneradio.net. You can find the schedule on the website, and you can also download an app to your phone so that you can listen wherever you are. Grace Alone Radio is a 24-hour streaming service which carries the message of God's sovereign grace around the clock and around the world. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. That's near the intersection of County Road 49 and Alabama Highway 159, about 10 miles north of Gordo, Alabama, and about 8 miles northeast of Reform, Alabama. If you're interested in finding more sermons, you can go to our website at zionpbc.com, that's z-i-o-n-p-b-c.com, where you'll find all of our posted sermons as well as a link to subscribe to our podcast. You can also subscribe to our website which will update you every time a new sermon is posted. For those of you who have been following our podcast, you know we've been looking at the time in David's life when he defected down to the land of the Philistines. He didn't do that because he was led of God. He did that because he reasoned in his own heart. Anytime we look to ourselves instead of God, we get in trouble. As we have seen, David and his men were in the greatest peril they'd ever been in up to this point in their lives. And yet God was faithful. As we conclude our look today at David's defection, we'll see how God encouraged him even in the land of the enemy and protected him from his own unwise decisions. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. After the song, please stay tuned for another message of God's sovereign grace from the Zion Primitive Baptist Church pulpit. Tears fly my eyes,
morning we, we read about some of the failings of David. He, was, he, he got depressed. He got down in, at the point where uh, he looked around him and saw his circumstances and said, Lord, I, I don't have any hope here. And let me just say this to lay the foundation that it probably does not need to be laid. I hope it doesn't to each of you, but there is no sinless man. Jesus Christ was the only one who ever lived without sin. So you cannot be sinless. I cannot be sinless. But that does not excuse us from the, the obligation right. and the privilege of striving towards sinlessness in, this, in our lives. Every, every day ought to be a striving towards. The Lord says, present your body as a living sacrifice. Yes. And that's not to get to heaven, but that's, to, that's because we're going to heaven. And so uh, it encourages me that even though our standard is Christ, it's a standard we can never meet. But yet in the Bible, there are those that are called, Abraham's called the friend of God. That tells me I can, I can be God's friend. Uh, David is a man after God's own heart. That tells me somebody made that. I can achieve under that too. If, if, and so we've been studying David to see what it is that makes him a man after God's own heart. And you remember what he said in his heart in chapter 27, 1 Samuel, chapter 27, verse 1. David said in his heart, I shall now perish one day by the hand of Saul. There's just no hope for me. And he had just been delivered from the hand of Saul in chapter 26. He had just been delivered then, and that was the culmination of a, a, a whole lot of times that God had delivered him in this life in a timely way from Saul. But we read about him departing from the kingdom of God this morning. He should have prayed. He should have sought out godly counsel. Instead, he deceived himself and defected to the enemy. And we read some of those words that he wrote. Uh, in uh, Psalm chapter 22 and verse 1 particularly. Now remember, this is him certainly quoting, you know, this is a prophecy of Christ. 
In Psalm 22 and verse 1, though, it says, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Now understand that is a, that is a prophecy of Christ, but it's also David's condition of soul. He's not just saying, okay, well, I'll write this because the Lord told me to. He's feeling that at the time. And, and when you get your eyes on your circumstances, that which is going on around you, then the first thing you'll do is you'll want to defect to the enemy. You'll want to work it out yourself. You don't want to walk by faith. Like Brother David was talking about a while ago with Abraham. Abraham's uh, best option from a human standpoint would have been to, uh, to flee or to send Isaac away or to do something, you know, to get away from this because there's no way logically under these circumstances that God could ever fulfill this promise. David thought God had bitten off more than he could chew. Yeah. And Abraham could have reacted in the same way. But David said, no, I'm leaving. He went to Philist the Philistines. He went to Gath of all places. We talked about that, the place where his greatest enemy, Goliath, had come from, <laughs> where he had almost died before. He had to feign craziness, mental illness. He had to, he had to uh, slobber all over himself and just beat his head on the walls in order to get them to send him away and not kill him. And yet that's where he goes. He departed from the kingdom of God and he descended into sin. He descended into sin. We saw that this morning in the fact that he had to lie. As we read through chapter 27 there, we saw he had to lie about his activities. He had to go out and instead of, you know, they, they let him go down to Ziklag. He moved in with the compromisers. We, we, we read about the fact that Ziklag uh, was, was a city that had been given to uh, Judah in the original dispensation of land over there. And yet now it's under the control of the Philistines. And according to the historians, we got, uh, still got Jews living there and they're okay with that. <laughs> There's a lot of children of God out there that are okay living in, in the place that's owned by God but controlled by the enemy. I just want to tell you, that's not a place you want to be. You want to be in that place, but you don't want to be controlled by the enemy. You know, that can happen in our churches. That can happen in our, our lives personally. We can be controlled by the enemy even though we are, we are a part of the kingdom of God. And he had, to, he had to lie about what he was doing instead of attacking Judah. Like he would go back and tell Achish, I'm, I'm attacking Judah and I'm taking spoil out of Judah, out of the kingdom of Israel. But really he was going around to Amalek and the Hittites and those all around him. And he was not just, not just taking a spoil, he was killing every man, woman, and child there. He was com committing mass murder, you might say, to cover up his sin uh, that, that, that he had started out lying to Achish about <laughs> And I'm going to say to you again what I said this morning. Sin is never static. Right. You commit one, you're going to have to commit another. Sin breeds sin. Yes. When you live in a habitual sin, when you leave the kingdom of God and you go to the land of the enemy and you dwell there, you're going to continue to pile up sin upon sin upon sin. And you're going to get into more and more trouble. And that's what I want to talk about just for a little bit tonight. We mentioned the problems that David was experiencing but I want to show you what, beginning in chapter 28, right quickly, just there's a couple of verses I want to grab here, and then I want to grab a few more over in chapter 30. Chapter 28, it came to pass in those days that the Philistines gathered their armies together for warfare to fight with Israel. And Achish said unto David, Know thou assuredly that thou shalt go out with me to battle, thou and thy men. It's all come home to roost for David. David went down to Achish. He defected from Israel. He went to Philistia. And you know, that did solve his immediate problem, as we said this morning. We read where it said that in, chapter, in verse 4 of chapter 27, it was told Saul that David was fled to Gath and he sought no more again for him. 
He got some short-term relief from his problem by trying to work it out himself and by defecting and going down into the world. You'll get short-term relief from your problem yeah. by doing that, but it'll only be short-term because now, now everything's come back upon him. You see, he says he's been lying about going down and being valiant against Israel and he's proving his loyalty to Achish, lying to him all this time. And yet Achish, verse 12 of chapter 27, Achish believed David, saying he hath made his people Israel, Israel utterly to abhor him. Therefore he shall be my servant forever. <laughs> Achish, the ungodly king of an ungodly people, was convinced by David that he was just as ungodly as they were. Do you know you could do that to the world? Yeah. You can do that, child of God. They can be convinced that you're one of them. You are by nature the children of wrath, even as others. You are by nature that way. You're not, you're not a child of wrath if you're a child of God. But by nature you are. <laughs> by nature you're just like they are. And see, he had convinced, he, he did too good a job. He, he did too good a job. I'm going to tell you, child, that's one of your, your biggest dangers, dwelling among the world, dwelling among uh, the, in the land of the enemy. If you get comfortable and you get settled down in the land of the enemy, one of the biggest dangers you face is you'll convince them too well. <laughs> and now Aki says, okay, you've been doing so good for me. <laughs> now, you know, David had been studiously avoiding attacking his own people because he still knew that the promise of God was that he was the king of those people. Yeah. He didn't want to attack his people, his brethren. And in fact, the area he was going to go attack was down in the, in the area near where Judah, his tribe, his own tribe lived. He didn't want to be part of that. And that's why he was lying to Achish. But Achish was convinced. And he says, okay, you come with me now. You're going to assuredly go out with me to battle. <laughs> so now's the time, matter of decision. What does David do? Well, he does what a lot of us do. He compounds lie upon lie. <laughs> Notice what he said. David said to Achish, Surely thou shalt know what thy servant can do. <laughs> you know, it didn't say, oh yeah, let's go kill some Jews, did it? No, he said, oh, you'll know, you'll find out what I can do. And of course, Achish took that in a way that was a little different than what David probably intended it. <laughs> David was trying to walk that line, and sometimes we get so proud of ourselves, and, well, I didn't lie to him, I didn't do that. Did you mislead him, though? <laughs> did you mislead that person? Yo, I was careful not to lie, but you know what they were thinking. <laughs> you know what he was thinking about. You know what you were wanting them to think, and you accomplished that. I got news for you. That's a lie. <laughs> That's a lie. Whether your, your words technically cross the line or not, if you're misleading somebody and you know it, you're lying to them. David said, Surely thou shalt know what thy servant can do. And Achish said to David, Therefore will I make thee a keeper of mine head forever. He said, you're going to be my own personal bodyguard, you and your men. <laughs> so, you know, he wasn't even going to be in a position where he could get lost in the battle. He'd get over there on the far right or the far left of the line and just kind of slip away. He was going to have to be right in the thick of it, protecting the king himself. Look at the, look at the problem. Look at the, look at the problem that he's facing. And I want to skip from that just for a minute. I want you to, I want you to remember the issues that he's, he's in. And then I want us to skip over, and I want to deal quickly again, as we did somewhat this morning, with what has happened to him, what happens to him, rather, while he's dwelling in the land of the enemy. Okay, he's, got a, he's in a distressful situation right here. He's in a problem. He's got a terrible situation he's dealing with. Now, skip over to 
chapter 30 just for a minute. And, and I want you to understand that there's some kind of resolution here. And if you that are Bible readers know what it is, there's some kind of resolution that occurs here. But I want you to skip over and notice that he's still, he's still having problems because he's still living down in Ziklag. And, and, and I just want to make the point this, this evening, child of God, as long as you dwell with the enemy, wherever you are, when you get comfortable down there in the land of the enemy, you're going to have more turmoil than you've ever experienced. It came to pass, verse 1, when David and his men were come to Ziklag on the third day, that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag and smitten Ziklag and burned it with fire and had taken the women captives that were therein. They slew not any, either great or small, but carried them away and went on their way. We talked about that just a little bit this morning. But I want us to look at David's problem now. As he's living in the land of the enemy, he's in, he's in distress and now he's dealing with defeat. He's dealing with defeat. And that's what you're going to deal with, child of God, in the land of the enemy. Notice his distress. When they came back, they found Ziklag burned. That's where he and his wives and his family and all the families of all of the men, the 600 men that were with him, they had been taken captive. That's where they'd been dwelling. This was probably in retaliation for these raids that he'd been committing against the Amalekites. Now, I don't know the answer to this, but I believe the question, Brother David mentioned this at some point. Uh, about how the Lord sometimes lets us go to the end in our faithfulness and then doesn't cause us to suffer the consequences uh, from time to time because, because we were faithful. Well, sometimes the Lord suffers us also uh, to, uh, to go to the end of the sinful consequences of our actions so that He might ultimately bring us back. Now, he doesn't cause those actions and He doesn't cause us to understand. He's not, we, we don't believe in absolutism. <laughs> he's not predestinating these things that happen and He's not tempting us to sin. The sin comes from within us. But sometimes the Lord just stands back and says, okay, I'm just going to watch. I'm just going to let it happen. And then uh, I'm going to show you how far you can get. And then that Lord knowing all the time, knowing us better than we know ourselves, that that may be what it takes to ultimately bring us back. Now understand something. David and his 600 men, if you read this account here, they had never suffered defeat before this. They would not lost a battle prior to this time. <laughs> But now they come home and their city has been burned to the ground. All their wealth has been confiscated and their wives and their children are taken captive. And they wore themselves out weeping. Look at verse 3. They came and they beheld. Verse 4. The David and the, then David and the people that were with him lifted up their voice and wept until they had no more power to weep. They wore themselves out weeping. And not only that, we read that David in verse 6 was greatly distressed it says, for, the, for a good reason, for the people spake of stoning him. <laughs> now David had come to, I guess, be a little more comfortable in his role as a leader of these, of these men that were in distress and these, these vagabonds and these riffraff that had come around him. They'd sort of whipped them into shape and the Lord had blessed him with them. And now they're turning on him. <laughs> these lines that he's, his soul was among, they're turning on him because the soul of all the people were grieved, every man for his sons and for his daughters. And this is where we read this morning, but David, David encouraged himself in the Lord. So we see here his encouragement. He had said in his heart, I'm going to go down to Philistia. Now he encourages himself in the Lord. See, David finally remembered that the encouragement he needed could only come from the Lord. He got Abiathar, the high priest or the priest here. He said, you go get the, the religious artifacts that we used this time, the ephod. 
And then David inquired at the Lord, saying, shall I pursue him? See, he didn't inquire the Lord saying, Lord, should I go down to Gath? He just said that in his heart. And that heart's deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. But notice, notice what he did. He went down in pursuit of the enemy because the Lord assured him that he would have success. He says, shall I pursue after this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered, that is the Lord answered him, pursue for thou shalt surely overtake them and without fail recover all. Now you notice something here. Even in the midst of the land of the enemy, where David is doing what he should not be doing, God is still faithful to him. Now I want to say something about that in a minute. I'm going to repeat this, but I want to say it now. That's the grace of our God right. and the mercy of our God. Amen. But we ought not be tempting God. Yes. It would have been a whole lot better if he'd been walking with God. Because we're going to read in our, in our study of David's life, we're going to see that God didn't intervene in such a way in the life of Saul. Now, there were some differences in the way Saul approached God and approached things in his life. But still, God could have just been hands up. He would have been completely justified to say, David, you get yourself out of this one, big boy. You got yourself in it. But God said, you pursue them, you'll overtake them, and without fail, you'll recover all. And I want you to just notice the providential care of God. He providentially guided David and his men into this battle, into the success. Uh, they came down to this brook, Besor, and 200 of the 600 men were so faint that they could not go over the brook. They couldn't go any farther. Now, that's, that's good news to me, who's a fainter <laughs> in my family. I'm thankful for me and my family that God will have mercy even on the fainters, okay? But, uh, but now, that's not where we should be. I'm not, we ought not, he that fainteth in the day of adversity is weak, we're told. So we need to be stronger than that. But these 200 were not strong enough to even go. So he had to leave them behind and keep going with just 400 men. And then he finds this Egyptian slave and the story here that I won't read it all. You can read it when you, when you get a chance. But he finds this Egyptian slave that had been abandoned because he was sick. The Lord clearly had kept this man alive providentially. So that, and he told him about all the, uh, the movements of the Amalekites. And then we see not only his encouragement, but his victory. Verses 16 through 20 says, When he had brought... When they had brought him down, behold, they were spread abroad upon all the earth, eating and drinking and dancing because of all the great spoil they had taken out of the land of the Philistines and out of the land of Judah. This is the Amalekites we're talking about. And David smote them from the twilight even unto the evening of the next day. <laughs> he smote him for 24 hours. They, they beat these folks. And they're not escaped, there escaped not a man of them save 400 young men which rode upon camels and fled. They had to get on their camels and light a shuck, as we would say. They took off, and that's the only way they got away because David was overpowering them, and David recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away, and David rescued his two wives, and there was nothing lacking to them, neither small nor great, neither sons nor daughters, neither spoil nor anything that they had taken to them. David recovered all, and he took all the flocks and the herds which they drave before those other cattle and said, This is David's spoil. I want you to notice what he did. He, he won a total victory over these Amalekites, and it was a profitable victory. He took the spoils and claimed it for himself. Now, he's not claiming it for himself personally, selfishly, but he's saying, this is mine, and I'm going to distribute it as I believe the Lord would have me to distribute it. And we continue seeing here, and just briefly, this is almost an aside, but it's an important principle we need to see here. David came to the 200 men, which were so faint 
that they could not follow David, whom they had made also to abide at the brook Besor. And they went forth to meet David and to meet with the people that were with him. And when David came near to them, he, the people, he saluted them. And then I want you to notice in verse 22 what happens. <laughs> it says, All the wicked men and men of Belial, of those that went with David, said, Because they went not with us, we will not give them aught of the spoil that we have recovered, save to every man his wife and children, that they may leave them away and depart. We're done with you. You fainted when it came to the time of need. You gave up. You couldn't go farther. We're done with you. And these men that said this are called wicked men and men of Belial. But notice what David says about the kingdom of God. Remember, this is the kingdom of God here. This is the kingdom of God. This is the kingdom of God visibly on earth. Not all the people of God, but it is a visible portion of the kingdom of God, kind of like the church, you see. You know what David said? He said, verse 23, You shall not do so, my brethren, with that which the Lord hath given us, who hath preserved us and delivered the company that came against us into our hand. (laughs) For who will hearken unto you in this matter? For as his part is that goeth down to the battle, so shall his part be that tarrieth by the stuff. They shall be part alike. And it was so from that day forward that he made it a statute and an ordinance for Israel unto this day. I just want to say to you, There is no place in the kingdom of God for selfishness. There's no place in the kingdom of God for elevating yourself over somebody else. There's no place in the kingdom of God for saying, now wait a minute, I did all the work. (laughs) Everybody's enjoying what I've done and I need to get more. There's no place. That happens in the ministry. There's no place in the ministry among preachers to say, well, I'm a better preacher than he is and I've got a bigger church than he's got and therefore I ought to be elevated. No, there is no place for that in the kingdom of God. We're all in the battle together and guess what? The victory is the Lord's. The victory is not ours. (laughs) Oh, look at my church. We've grown. I must be a great preacher. No, you just said the Lord just blessed you. (laughs) Now you should be a good preacher. You should be studying to show yourself approved unto God. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed. Uh, You know, rightly dividing the word of truth. You should be in the word of God. You should be uh, exercising your gift and growing in your gift. But I want to say to you, if you ever experience increase, if you ever experience victory, it's of the Lord. (laughs) It's of the Lord. (laughs) Oh, I'm so thankful for that. And David said, we're not going to break this out into big eyes and little U's. This is the Lord's victory, not ours. Likewise, it's the Lord's church Amen. and the victory is his. And David, of course, as you read the rest of that story there, you'll see that David also sent presents from the spoils of the Amalekites to the elders of the towns in southern Judah, the places where he and his men had taken refuge when they were out there. And he had sent these out there to him. So now, let's go back to the problem we started out with. And back in 1 Samuel 28, in verse 1 and 2, you remember what Achish said? You're going to battle with me, David, and you're going to be right in the thick of it, and you're going to have to fight against your brothers and sisters. What does David expect? What does he expect? He's been living with the enemy. He's been comfortable down there, taking of the spoils of the enemy. He's been engaging in all of the things that the enemy engages in and lying to cover up some of the things that would make him look even better in their eyes. So David, what do you expect? You're going to have problems. Child of God, what do you expect if you're, if you're bedding down with the enemy? What do you expect is going to happen? You're going to have problems like this. Yeah. 
And this, I believe, is David's darkest hour to this point in his life. He said, you've got to go fight with us. David, in his mind, said, okay, he's, he's still maintaining the facade and the deceit, but he's in his mind and heart. He said, what, Lord, what in the world am I going to do? Well, sometimes the Lord will let you suffer the consequences, but, but I'm so thankful our God is such a merciful God that there are times, many, many more times, that He will deliver us even from our own foolishness. Yes. Chapter 29 of 1 Samuel. Now the Philistines gathered together all their armies to Aphek, and the Israelites pitched by the fountain which is in Jezreel. And the lords of the Philistines passed by on by hundreds and by thousands, but David and his men passed on in the rearward with Achish. He's still having to stay there with that king. And then as you continue reading, and I, I won't, I'll, for lack of time, I'll just sort of uh, summarize it. These princes of the Philistines came in and, and they went to Achish and they said, wait a minute, time out. Is this not David who was a servant of Saul? And I'm sure there were some of them that said, he's the guy that killed Goliath, right? You remember that day, don't you? You remember that day when we got routed and this is the same guy and they were mad with Achish. <laughs> and, and they said, you got to send him back. You've got to send him back for, it says in the end of verse 4, for wherewith should he reconcile? Let me go to the middle of it. Make this fellow return that he may go again to his place which thou hast appointed him, and let him not go down to the battle with us, lest in the battle he be an adversary to us. In other words, he may turn on us uh, in the battle. They've already had some experience with that, with some Hebrews that had fought with them before. Is not this David, verse 5, of whom they sang one to another in dances, saying, Saul slew his thousands and David his ten thousands? When did they make up that song? Right after he killed Goliath. Right. They know about Goliath. They remember this. Yeah. So they're saying, Achish, you can't do this. And I'm sure Achish was upset about this because he had been convinced that David was his friend. <laughs> he, you know, again, when you seek the world's aid instead of God's, you just remember there's always a bill that comes due. And now David is about to have to pay that bill when God providentially intervenes here. I believe God, we don't read his name, but God is behind, behind this. He's, he suffers them to do what he knew they would do. And they said, we can't have this man with, it, man with us. So we see David's darkest hour. And now we see David's final deception. <laughs> David's final deception. Look at verse 6. Achish had confidence in David. And so he must have been regretful when he went to him because it says, Achish called David and said unto him, Surely as the Lord liveth, thou hast been upright, and thy going out and thy coming in with me, and the host is a good in my sight, for I have not found evil in thee since the day of thy coming unto me to this day. <laughs> oh, he had played his part well, hadn't he? David had. Nevertheless, the Lord's favor thee not. Wherefore now return and go in peace that thou displease not the lords of the Philistines. And at this point, David is of course going to say, Okay, right? Look at his final deception. David had a problem with lying. And David said unto him, unto Achish, but what have I done? <laughs> and what hast thou found in thy servants so long as I have been with thee unto this day that I may not go fight against the enemies of my Lord the King? <laughs> oh, David, you're a sly one, aren't you? You're continuing to hold up this, this deception. You're continuing to do this. <laughs> You know, you better be careful. <laughs> That's, let me just say, stop here and say that. You better be careful when you're being good at deceiving. People will believe you. <laughs> and, you know, I could just see Aki say, well, okay. And David's, no, 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 that's okay, I'll go. <laughs> but notice what he said. Achish answered and said to David, I know that thou art good in my sight as an angel of God. Notwithstanding, the princes of the Philistines have said he shall not go up with us to the battle. Wherefore, now rise up early in the morning with thy master's servants that are come with thee. And as soon as you be up early in the morning and in flight, 
depart. And so David and his men rose up early to depart in the morning to return to the land of the Philistines. And the Philistines went up to Jezreel. Now you'll notice some of you that have been paying attention from our, our messages is that we've skipped a chapter. We skipped over chapter 28, the rest of chapter 28. And what you're going to see here, we're going to talk about that some other time, is that this is the account of Saul. It's, it's sort of like a movie. It switches scenes to Saul. And Saul goes and consults a witch to call up Samuel mm -hmm. and so forth. And what, what we're seeing here is the buildup to the final battle between Saul and the end of his life, the, between Saul and the Philistines. And so David has been mercifully spared his ultimate deliverance is right here. The Lord was gracious to him and he was able to go back to the Ziklag. And even though with this Am Amalekite interlude that we just talked about, he gets to spend the next few days in safety. And the Lord delivered him both from death and also from causing harm to the kingdom of God. Now let me close with the lessons that I think we have here. First of all, you saw the deliverance from the Amalekites. The Lord... <clears throat> delivered him. And, and this is how he did it. First of all, he encouraged him. And that's the way the Lord, even when we're in a place we shouldn't be, even where, when we're in a place that we should never have been, the Lord is merciful to us sometimes and will encourage us. He encouraged David so that he didn't despair. And then he gave David wisdom and strength enough to persevere and to go and to fight this battle. And he provided David with guidance. He, he gave him the facts necessary to get him to the place to where the enemy was. God was still with him even in the land of Philistia. And also we see his deliverance not only from the Amalekites but from Achish. And here's the lessons from that, I believe. First of all, just remember, child of God, you will only always ever have trouble in the land of the enemy. You're never going to have peace there. You think you might. You think you maybe get rid of one problem, you'll add ten to it. That's what he did. He got rid of one problem, but look at all the problems he took upon himself. He got rid of the Saul, the pressure from Saul, but now he's got all these other pressures. When you bed down in comfort in the world, you'll only ever have turmoil. We need to be separate from the world, even while we live in the world. But we need to be separate from the world. <laughs> and you say, well, God delivered David, right? Yeah, he did. But don't you tempt God. Don't you tempt God by making sinful decisions. Although he did deliver David here, he is not obligated to do so for you. And he was not obligated to do so for David. Look at Lot. Look at Lot. Lot continued to make bad decisions and he ended up in fear in a cave. We are always better off to be in the kingdom of God than in the land of the enemy, child of God. Let me just remind you of that. In Psalm 107, in verse 1, this is where we should be. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for He is good, for His mercy is endureth forever. And he goes on to say, Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy, and gathered them out of the lands from the east and from the west, from the north and the south. Now, now these are his children, but look what they've done. They have wandered in the wilderness in a solitary way. They found no city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted in them. Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them out of their distresses. He led them forth by the right way that they might go to a city of habitation. You know what he's telling us here? He's saying, child of God, 
When you're out in the wilderness and you're, you're dwelling there in the land of the enemy, you're living in a world that is not your home, you're wandering out in a solitary way, you'll find no city to dwell in. But if you'll follow the Lord, He'll lead you to a city of habitation. I believe it's the city of Zion, the city set on a hill. Yeah. That beautiful city with the bulwarks and the towers and the, mm -hmm. and the, the things that protect us. The feasts, the castle, the, 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 the places, the palaces where, the, where we can feast. Don't bed down in the land of the enemy. David would have been a whole lot better off if he hadn't. Yes, David delivered, uh, God delivered David, but he was not obligated to do so. And he's not obligated to deliver you. And one last thing I'll tell you is this. The Lord says, to whom much is given shall much be required. There may have been, may have been a time in your life, in my life, where he might have delivered us. And he probably has done that. You can probably point to times in your life when you walked in ignorance, when he did deliver you. But you're not ignorant anymore. You know the truths of God's word. You know about the church of the living God. And you need to stay with it and stay in it. Don't tempt him by going back out in the land of the enemy where he'll have to deliver you if there's any deliverance. Thank you for joining us today on the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. I hope the message has been uplifting and beneficial to you and that the Lord will continue to bless you to grow in grace and knowledge of the truth. Join us again tomorrow for another message of God's sovereign grace. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismacool at gmail.com. That's the letter J-C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.